I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. Thanks for being here. Today, we're going to be covering Meditation 20 from Book 4. But before we dive into that, I want to take a moment to remind you of just a few things. First, if you want to get rid of ads, you can do that for just $6 a month at stoicism.supercast.com. You can check for a link in the description of this episode to do just that. Second, I'd love to have you join the free listener community by using the link in the show notes of this and all episodes. It's free to join, Discord-based, and it's great to build stronger relationships with one another as we move forward in our stoic practice together. And then third and lastly, I'm getting very close to finishing this book. I don't have a completion date yet, but I'm working with Kai Whiting to get it right. There's even the possibility that Kai will co-author the book with me, but that's not exactly clear yet as so much is already written. If you'd like to pre-register for this book, you can do so at livingwellbook.com. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. All right, now let's jump into Meditation 20 from Book 4, which reads as follows. He who has a vehement desire for posthumous fame does not consider that every one of those who remember him will himself also die very soon. Then again, also they who have succeeded them, until the whole remembrance shall have been extinguished as it is transmitted through men who foolishly admire and perish. But suppose that those who will remember are even immortal, and that the remembrance will be immortal. What then is this to thee? And say not what it is to the dead, but what it is to the living. What is praise, except indeed so far as it has a certain utility? For thou now rejectest unseasonably the gift of nature, clinging instead to something else. Some people will say that life doesn't matter because it ends. And I've mentioned Thomas Nagel's paper that argues against this a number of times, and I think I will link it again in the show notes of this episode, just in case you haven't read it yet. But essentially, the viewpoint of many is that one has to be immortal in order for anything they do during their lives to matter. I find this silly. So does Nagel, by the way. Life matters specifically because it has an expiration date. This meditation is saying something that relates directly to the idea of life mattering, but it flips the outcome on its head. I would say life matters because you're not immortal, but I would also say fame can only matter if you are immortal. Why do I seem to flip-flop in the case of fame? Because actions have immediate impact, and you're running out of time to take actions. Thus, you are running out of time to have impact. 
death is a motivator for action. This isn't the case with fame. Death is not a motivator for fame. It is ultimately the antithesis of it. If all people die, then all forms of fame die, eventually. Yes, it's true that your fame may outlast you, but it will not outlast everyone. It will not last forever. For thou now rejectest unseasonably the gift of nature, clinging instead to something else. You are rejecting the gift of death, the thing that motivates us to action, so that you might obtain immortality through fame, an impossible thing to obtain since fame lives in the memory, and everyone eventually dies. You're choosing not to act virtuously so that you might achieve immortality through others. This is an impossible thing. But, you might say, what if I can do both? What if I could chase fame and be virtuous? I would say on the surface, this certainly seems possible. This podcast is, after all, discussing an ancient philosophy and ancient people, and these people were virtuous, so they're both famous and virtuous. But was Zeno, or Epictetus, or Aurelius, or Seneca acting in their living lives for the sake of obtaining fame? No. The obtained and long-lasting, but not eternal, fame came through their virtue. If Zeno's aim was to build a lasting and permanent legacy of fame and renown, would he have founded the Stoic philosophy? I would say that if a person's goal is fame, if that's their ultimate goal, they won't achieve it, because the things they'll do in search of fame will never be the sort of things worthy of fame, not long-lasting fame anyway. If, however, their goal is to develop a virtuous character, and thereby do brave, just, and wise things, they will, without having meant to, obtain lasting, but again not eternal, fame. But Tanner, what about famous people? Aren't movie stars trying to become famous, and becoming famous through that effort? So isn't it possible to intentionally acquire fame? Yes, but that's not what Marcus is arguing against here. Certainly a person can become famous for any number of things in their living life, but the crux of the problem with this sort of pursuit, the pursuit of earthly fame, is first it distracts us from virtue, because fame isn't virtue. It's popularity, and popularity isn't indifferent. Stoics don't spend their time chasing indifference. They spend their time developing virtuous characters, and number two, it's only useful to you while you're alive, and it's not guaranteed to be useful or even positive while you're alive. Think of all the famous people who we find out are actually miserable when they take their own lives or struggle with drug addiction or have unhappy marriages or poor relationships with their children. Compare this to virtue. And yes, sure, your virtue dies with you as well, but virtue, unlike fame, actually serves you and others in incredibly meaningful ways during your living life. So what sort of person prioritizes fame over virtue? What sort of person is motivated by a thirst for metaphorical immortality, by a desire to obtain eternal fame? Very simply, not a Stoic. Thank you for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. I appreciate you being here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this show, hit subscribe or follow or whatever the button says in the app you're listening so that you get new episodes the minute they come out. Also, if you've not reviewed the show, I would appreciate you doing so. You can review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or at podchaser.com. Thank you again for listening today, and until next time, take care. Take care.